Morning. Uh, my reading is uh, this morning is from uh, St Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter five and verses one to ten. A bit closer to the mark, you'll find that in the large print Bibles at page one seven five zero. I've got an old pew Bible at page triple one six. There are newer pew Bibles, I think, as well. At the large print, anyway, is one seven five zero seventeen fifty, and triple one six of the old pew Bibles. Sorry, seven eight three. Yeah. Um, peace and hope. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? This is the word of the Lord. Second reading is from the second book of uh, epistle of the Second Corinthians, chapter five. It's on the page seventeen ninety six on the big pew Bible, but I'm not sure with the small one. Eight o three. Good, thank you. So I will read from verse eleven. Since then we know that what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to you and to your conscience. We are not trying to commend ourselves to you again, but are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us, so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than in what is in the heart. If we are out of our mind, as some say, It is for God, and if we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And we died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. And as, God co- at, and as God's co-worker, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, In the time of my favor I heard you, and the day of salvation I help you. And I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. This is the word of the Lord. Morning, everyone. Good to see you. In 1902, I wasn't there at the time I read this. The unveiling of a monument in commemoration of the Port Kembla mine disaster, 12 speeches were given. Would have been a bit long and a bit boring. Five of them were by clergymen. At the opening ceremony of the 1956 Olympic Games, the Archbishop of Melbourne spoke and then prayed before the Games were opened. Prior to the 2000 Olympic Games, Brian King, Bishop Brian King, wrote twice to the leaders of the Sydney Olympic Games organising committee and asked that prayer be offered at the opening ceremony. The offers were declined on the grounds that a prayer could not be formulated that would satisfy all members of the community, said the letter. Our world has changed, hasn't it? Once white, Anglo-Saxon, now very multicultural. 48% of people who live in East Linfield have both parents born overseas. It's incredible, isn't it, what has taken place in the lifetime of some of us. Once upon a time, people might have been apathetic towards the Christian gospel. But for many reasons, including recent ones such as the child sex abuse, the same-sex marriage debate, the new atheists, the Israel Folau saga, many people are not just apathetic now, many are antagonistic. And yet Paul writes to us, and if you want to look with me at the passage that I speak from, it's 2 Corinthians 5 from 11 onwards, and he says to us that we are Christ's ambassadors 
In other words, we have the responsibility of sharing the message about the Lord Jesus with people. And it's not always easy. I don't often get taxis, but one day I was in a taxi. The taxi driver was obviously born overseas and he asked me after some considerable time going along in the taxi and just chatting uh, amicably what I did. I said I was a church minister. And he said to me, what are you going to do today? I said, I'm go- when I get home, when you get me home, I'm going to sit down and write a sermon and talk to people about how you get to heaven by having a personal trust in the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you don't get there by doing good, but by believing in Jesus. End of conversation. Not one more word was spoken until I got home. It's not easy, is it? And yet Paul says to us, we are Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. One of the good things about being an ambassador is that we don't have to make up the message. The responsibility of the ambassador is to give the message of the leaders. They are authorised to speak an authorised message. And another characteristic of an ambassador is that they live in a foreign land. Much as we may live love living in Australia, this is not our permanent residence. We are really on a working visa. Heaven is our home. And so, as God's ambassadors, what is our message? Now, you all know this very well, but it's good for us to be reminded of it, but also to be comforted by it. Paul writes, in verses 18 and 19, these words. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Reconciliation is on the go at the present time. It's 20 years since the walk across the bridge for reconciliation. And Brooke Prentice, our speaker at the April 7th event in the Green Gate, is an Indigenous lady. She used to work for... uh, um, the Deaconess um, Institute and is involved in that sort of ministry. And reconciliation to God is a unique aspect of the Christian faith. It is only the Christian faith that can bring reconciliation. How can you be reconciled to God if you're a Hindu? There are hundreds of gods. You can't be. 
It's impossible. You might be reconciled to one, but you're not reconciled to another one. And one of the challenges for us is that the way in which we present the gospel is different today than we were able to do it 50 years ago when most people in Australia were, had come from white Anglo-Saxon backgrounds. For a long time, up until the 60s, most of our immigrants were either Irish or British with a few people who were refugees from the war and the eastern countries, but not so now. People come from all different countries and one of the great things about Australia is the fact that we have assimilated people into our cultures. It's just incredible how peacefully we've been able to do it. And what is God doing with that sort of thing? Well, we don't have to go overseas to be missionaries. God has brought the people to us. Now, they might not listen, like the taxi driver, who was probably happy to get rid of me. But it does give us the opportunity. And what takes place we are being reminded of here that it is a God who has actually been doing the reconciling. You see, why can we talk to people about the peace of God, how they might have peace with God? Well, it's because God initiated it in the first place. You know, the passage says to us that God, verse 19, that God was reconciling the world to himself. In Christ, John 3 sums it up for us. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. It was God who initiated the way in which we can be saved, how we can be reconciled to God. And the challenge for us is actually to be able to find ways to be able to share those truths with people and it will be different for different people and different backgrounds. I read this story about a man who was witnessing to a Buddhist. Now, I don't have much experience of ministering to Buddhists, but he said this, He was talking to the man about God and Jesus and he was getting nowhere. So he said to the man, look, I want you to go away and I want you to be the best Buddhist you can possibly be. Now, the Buddhists believe that you can actually stop doing things such as killing, stealing, sexual misconduct, harmful speech and taking intoxicants. And if you do that, then you'll be beginning to follow the eight paths that they have. So the man went away, and when they met again, he asked him how the man was getting on in being a good Buddhist. And the man said he was failing miserably. He said, I can't do what my faith tells me to do. I have no peace. I can't cope. And so then the man 
started to talk to him about how you can have peace with God and have the strength of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life to help you. Reconciliation comes by knowing a person, the Christian man explained. So he found a way in. And I guess for us that's part of our challenge, how to find a way in to talk to people. And what we need to bear in mind is to think about how God actually sees people. He said, Paul says this in verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. What is Paul getting at? Well, Paul saw Jesus as a religious revolutionary, a man who wanted to change the religious systems of the day. And he thought that he was a troublemaker. And as we know, he was there at the stoning of Stephen and he persecuted the Christians. Here was a new religious way that he did not like. And so, as we know, he got authority from the religious leaders of the day to persecute Christians. And that is how he saw Jesus. And then, as we know, on the Damascus Road, he saw that Jesus was who he claimed to be, Christ, the Son of God, who had risen from the dead, and through whom salvation came. And so that's why he says, though we once regarded Christ in this way, he saw him just as a person once, but no longer, because it is through Christ that he came to have the ministry of reconciliation. So he then says... We don't look at anybody from a worldly point of view. Now, what is he meaning here? We look at people all the time. We sum people up. And that's fine. Like his shirt. His shoes don't match his pants. Pretty dress but a handbag doesn't go with it. We do it all the time. And there's nothing wrong with it. You're entitled to your opinion. But Paul says he looks past that now. He views people the way God views people. See, if you sit on the bus or the train or the ferry and look at someone, do you think to yourself, I wonder if that person is reconciled to God or not. The checkout chick, do you think? wonder if she knows Jesus. That's what Paul's saying here. That's how he sees people. He's now changed his view of Jesus and when he changes his view of Jesus... It means that he changes his view 
of other people. And so, I'm asking you to think about when you share your faith with Jesus. Sometimes it's a hard thing to do. I know it's difficult. Or invite people to the senior's lunch or to hear Brooke Prentice. Why should we do it? Paul says this, the love of Christ compels me. In other words, he reflects on on what God has done for him in Jesus and that drives him to tell other people. The gospel does work. You know that. It's worked on you and it's worked on me. Glenis York told this story at the Bible study. Good preachers always steal other people's stories. She heard this story. There were eight boys in a Catholic church sitting up the back creating all sorts of a mess and it came time for confession and seven of the boys picked on another boy said, you go to confession, you go to confession. And so eventually they bullied him into going to confession. The priest realised what was going on and he said, look, he said, I know you don't want to be here. He said, you're wasting your time and you're wasting my time. Go away. But as you go away, I want you to go to the front of the church and look at the cross and say to the cross... Christ died for me and I don't care. That's what I want you to do. So the boy went to the front of the church and he got to say, Christ died for me. And he couldn't say any more. And he came to a trust in Jesus and became an archbishop in the church. It doesn't always work, does it? But we do need to take comfort from the fact that the scriptures do work, and the gospel eventually does work on people who knows how long it may take. So I encourage you as we draw near to Christmas, why should we be involved in hub? Why should we encourage people to come to the seniors' lunch where someone else, morning tea, where someone else can share the truths about Jesus? Why should we get people to come to hear Brooke Prentice speak about reconciliation with one another and reconciliation with God. It's because we all know that Christ died for me. Christ loved me and died for me. Paul says this in verse 11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord. It doesn't mean to quiver like a dog might quiver in in front of somebody who is about to scold it or beat it. It is more the words of reverential awe. We look at God and we think, how great, awesome and amazing is God? And what he has done, he has sent Jesus to die for me. If that is the case then I will do my bit in trying to persuade others to also believe. I'll pray. Father, thank you for your word.
We live in a changing world. Many of us have seen enormous changes. The days are gone when kids came to Sunday school. Some of us can reflect upon the fact of the churches having hundreds of people in our Sunday school. We seem to be growing smaller and smaller. And yet, Heavenly Father, your gospel is still there and you do bring people to Jesus and you do call upon us to do our bit. We pray, Heavenly Father, that you might work in us and give us courage. Give us also comfort, for we know the peace of God in our own lives. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we might have the courage to let people know about the morning tea and hub and the event at the Green Gate. And we pray, Father, that you might be preparing in the hearts and minds of people the, their lives, their lives, so that if we can invite them, they might come and that they might hear about how they can be reconciled to God. And we ask this for Jesus' sake. Amen.